0: Every time.
1: A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1.
0: On this week's episode, we again look at the changes on the way for Netflix. Will Spider Man find the same success this time around? And what anime series should you go out of your way? To see all this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos.
2: Welcome to the pop culture cosmos.
0: And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend, the aspiring author that he is. He is our man that's about ready to release another awesome book on the way for Humanic Media. You got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicMedia.com, Humanic Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It's Josh Peterson. Man, I'm all rusty because I'm back from the islands of Hawaii, and I'm tanned, I'm burnt, I'm jet-lagged, and had way too many meals on the island.
2: I know, I can't tell if I'm looking at a podcast host or a piece of beef jerky. (laughs) Uh, What is podcasting? Exactly, exactly but you
0: had an announcement coming up here in a few days it's coming up what around around a week or so that your next book as far as congratulations you suck is going to have a release date so i feel like it's almost e3ish in that type of deal but it is coming up around the corner isn't it
2: sure is i've been posting little teasers and little snippets up there and uh, you'll you know i'll pop up info on how you can get the book if you want an autograph copy and all that good stuff so Honestly, man, I just uh, hope people enjoy it and I'm ready to work on something else because I am so tired of that book, but, you know, read it still. I hope everyone enjoys it and yeah, stay tuned and you'll see some updates and we'll talk about on the show, I'm sure, when the uh, announcement gets here and uh, yeah, cool. You know what would stink?
0: Feet. Well,
2: besides that, you know what would stink
0: is if we do a show together for several years and I don't even get a copy.
2: Hmm. Oh, I'll take care of you, man. I got (laughs)
0: you. Our relationship is still strong even after going on vacation. Well, I I will say this, my friend. Uh, You know, I, I recently spent some time in the awesome islands in and around Hawaii and going to the big island and going to several spots, including Hilo, Kona, Maui, Honolulu, Waikiki, all that good stuff. And just it was a great time. But if you are really into pop culture like I am, a great place to go is Kualoa Ranch because not only do they have a lot of things to do there—horseback riding, ATV type tours, things of that nature—but they also have what they call a movie set tour, which you know they take you through some of the areas for a lot of the scenery that they've that's been used in several. TV shows and movies that have taken place over the years. I'm sure everybody knows the Jurassic Park movies. They've been filmed, a good portion of them there. Godzilla from the 90s, Kong Skull Island, Lost, that's been filmed there. Pearl Harbor, Jumanji even has been filmed there as well. So there are a lot of great areas that we pass by that have been used quite frequently in movies and television shows and that's a great spot for anyone who is really into entertainment and pop culture so go check that out at Kualoa Ranch if you're in and around the islands of Hawaii and I'll tell you what it was just a great time indeed but we've got a great show lineup for you out there we've got a lot to talk about because Spider-Man Far From Home that is hitting theaters this week so we're going to go into detail with our thoughts on where this is going to go ahead as far as not only business-wise, and how it will do compared to not only what we saw with Endgame and Captain Marvel, but also the previous Spider-Man Homecoming. Will it even match the success of that movie? We're going to talk about that. Plus, also as well, we're going to be talking about the future of Netflix. I know we've covered the subject before, but in the streaming market, is always ever-changing. There's so many different entities coming in, coming out, so many different programs coming in and out, changing places new shows coming up all the time, new deals that get signed up with with famous stars and famous directors as far as that's concerned. So we're gonna talk about the future of Netflix once again because there's been some major things going on that really would affect the future of Netflix, maybe for good and maybe for bad, plus some of the programming that they have on there. Josh and I are gonna be talking about that. Also, we're gonna be touching on the recent release of The Sinking City, that video game just came out and the reviews are all over the place. And we're going to talk about what type of game this truly is and if this type of game translates well to an audience. And then last but not least, Josh has a choice for anime fans out there. If you're really into anime and you want to take a look at an anime series that you know gets a little bit overlooked from time to time that you really should check out, Josh has his thoughts on one series that you should check out on the back end of the episode today. But first, my friend, before we go into Spider-Man Far From Home, I do want to thank the individuals that I got a chance to have in our long-form interviews during my time away. We presented four episodes, four long-form interviews, so I want to thank right now Jessica Boggs from the TV Ratings Guide, Josh Brennan from the Changing Perspectives podcast, Ben Arno from Smoking Hot Confessions, and Dr. Haggis Burridge. Thank you to each and every one of them for taking the time to speak to me as at length on the subjects that they're most familiar with and thoughts and, and subjects of that nature. So if you haven't had a chance to check out our previous four episodes on the PCC Multiverse or the Pop Culture Cosmos the past two weeks, you gotta check out, there's some great conversation there. If you have a chance, check out the last four episodes that we put out there on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel, available everywhere you can get your podcasts. My friend, it is this week, July 2nd is coming out, and I'll tell you what, a lot of people are excited for Spider-Man Far From Home. The first question I want to ask you, because we're starting to learn more and more about what's going on with Spider-Man Far From Home, and it is the direct fallout from what happened with the events of Avengers Endgame. This is still going to be the last movie considered in the Infinity Saga, which, again, I know we've touched on this before, but don't you think that's
2: kind of weird? Well, it all depends on what kind of note they want to go out on, right? So Infinity, the in-game, which, by the way, you still can't walk up to a movie theater and get decent seats for. It's crazy. It's just it's been practically sold out ever since it came out in theaters, which is completely unheard of. In game ended on a note that was dark, sad—not dark, but I mean, like sad, uh, tragic, I guess you could say. But you know, they did the same thing with phase. What was it, phase two? When Ant Man came out, like they ended on on a light note. You need that. I think that that's important because if you want if you want to get people to go back to these movies because they're taking a year and a half off, if I remember correctly, if you want people to go back to these movies, you need to end it on on a lighthearted note. Like you don't want to ended on a downer because then it's going to be less likely that people are going to want to like get really they're going to be really excited to go back to the movie theaters again and that's why spider-man is such an important property for marvel because spider-man is a character that can he has a very tragic backstory but he can easily traverse the the tragedy and then go to the lightheartedness and peter parker is the perfect embodiment of that because you know he why do ever why does everyone love spider-man he's the everyman hero right he faces all the problems that we do and you can ride the emotional roller coaster with him more than any other character in the mcu
0: well i've already alluded to it as each trailer came out that i was kind of upset that they were giving too much away as far as what was going on in Avengers endgame i personally thought that avengers endgame should be the fitting end of this phase of the marvel cinematic universe and instead of the well spoilers end credits sound that you get at the end of the movie that they should have done at least one little tidbit of a end credit scene that maybe set it up for the future as far as the Eternals or even Black Widow for that nature. So I think that would have sufficed a little bit more for me and that Spider-Man Far From Home should have come out before Avengers Endgame. But you know what, we have it, it's there. It's But to me, it doesn't seem like it's a true closing of the Infinity Saga. Now, the reviews are very solid for the movie. I don't know if there's quite as good as Spider-Man Homecoming. Depends on who you see and who you read from. But still, they're very good. It's still projected to do close to $150, 175000000 million over the course of the weekend. Not to mention what it will do because it's being released on July 2nd. So it's being released, I think that's on a Tuesday. So if that's the case... It's getting an early bump up for the week. And if that's that that just to me is going to give it an even more chance for people to go ahead and check it out. Now, mind you, they think that Thursday, July 4th, here in the United States, it's probably going to be, at least in the evening hours, going to be not a great time to watch the movie because people are watching fireworks and whatnot. So maybe that's why they bumped it up to July the second, but still. It should hit around $250 million by the end of the weekend, as far as at least on a domestic nature, and could hit well over $500 million worldwide by the end of the weekend. That's a great start for Sony. I'm happy for them, if that's the case, if it hits those kind of numbers. I think it'd be great for Spider-Man to establish himself once again as a viable part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and one of the bigger draws in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as far as that's concerned, because Tom Holland's still very young, still a lot of room for him to grow within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, from a Marvel side and from a Sony side. Obviously, they see kaching kaching, a chunk of change with him going forward, and there has been even a lot of talk as far as an, and scuttlebutt as far as him possibly doing a crossover movie with Venom. Do you think that's advisable in the near future or would you hold out on that a little bit
2: longer? <laughs> it's funny because Venom's a very dangerous property and the fact that it, the first one did so well still surprises the living daylights out of me. So You and I both, you and I both. Right, but would you, so I mean, let me ask you if you were an Amy Pascal's shoot, Amy Pascal, right? She's a Sony lady. Yep, yep, yep. Shoes. Would you strike while the iron's hot or would you wait for it? a company that is notoriously bad for screwing up Spider-Man properties to make that mistake.
0: Well, you know them. They're going to do it regardless. I think the next go-around will probably have Venom and Spider-Man. I think that, well, there is a Venom 2 coming out. That's already in production. That's already getting started. And that probably will be coming out next year. But after that, you're talking about in the summer of maybe 2021, I can clearly see a spider-man venom crossover type movie event that whether you like it or not it's going to be there i think that's a little too soon i think they should play that out maybe even to a sinister six type scenario i think to me that would be more appealing to build to as far as a sinister six that would include a venom spider-man crossover i would like to see them maybe hold off on that because tom holland's still very young can still play their Peter Parker character for quite some time. I would have liked to seen that maybe held off a little bit more, maybe 23, 2023, 2025, something like that. But you know Sony, they've pulled the trigger on a lot of stuff that just makes our head scratch. Again, with Spider-Man, they have this hot property. They've had this twice before with a hot property known as Spider-Man and they've managed to go ahead and ruin it. I just don't have any faith that they're going to be able to carry out long-term. The only saving grace is, is that they're in you know in consistent discussions with Kevin Feige, with Marvel, and having Spider-Man integrate himself continuously in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, possibly even going forward, although I don't see early on in the next couple of movies him having a place in the MCU. So while he's out of the action as far as the MCU on the Marvel-Disney side, he probably is going to be seen a lot as far as Sony's concerned when it comes to that part of the MCU. So yeah, I see him, like I said, after Venom two comes out next year, I definitely see him doing a crossover event. And I think it's probably a little bit too soon.
2: See that actually raised another question because if that's going to happen, then you also have to take into consideration all these other movies that Sony has planned in the Spider-Man universe too, like, the uh, more uh, Morbius, uh there was what's the Craven the Hunter, the Black Black Cat, Silver Sable. Those movies, if that happens, if Tom Holland is brought into the that universe and he you know, he faces off against Venom or they team up or whatever happens, because I can't see a scenario where the Venom that they created fights Spider Man. There'd be some it'd have to be some kind of team up film. But if that happens, you have all these other properties are being brought into the mcu as well right because that would mean that they run alongside each other and assuming that those properties don't do well then it's going to have the mcu carrying dead weight around
0: kevin feige and everyone at marvel is going to be like oh what is sony doing now what is sony doing now but you know what they did this to themselves way back when when they sold the rights to spider-man to. To Sony way back when so right you know
2: what this so, Sony is like the little kid who carries the rock around that they found in the front yard and then they drop it on their foot and you say to yourself well I'm not going to pick you up because if I do that you're not going to learn your lesson but they
0: haven't learned their lesson and can they continuously just do these wrong things now mind you they're doing fine so far and what we're anticipating, what we're just guessing as far as Venom 2 coming out next year, which I believe is most likely going to happen, and then after that, we would be guessing that there would be a crossover event somewhere shortly thereafter. I don't know. It just, it, To me, it just seems like it's something that they will capitalize on, especially if Venom 2 does score even anywhere close to the original Venom. And if that's the case, my goodness, All these side characters in the Spider-Man universe that I'm not sure are commercial enough to carry on their own. I mean, Marvel has been great with Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy and hopefully now the Eternals as far as characters people aren't usually familiar with as far as from a casual audience perspective and able to go ahead and translate that into big dollars. I'm not sure Sony will find the same success with these side characters. And in doing so, they could damage the overall product, including the Spider-Man property itself.
2: Right, exactly. Because if they carry Tom Holland's Spider-Man over into the Sony MCU and these, these worlds become adherent to one another, then you're basically absorbing crap properties into the M- Disney's MCU, which has done fairly well, box office numbers considered. I'm, I'm on board to see Tom Holland team up with Tom Hardy. That, but that would, I would have
0: to be, for me, a Sinister Six.
2: Yeah, you, you know what? Did, yeah, that'd be cool. But do you know what disappoints me, kind of, about what uh, what Disney did with Spider-Man? What's that? They did not really... So I get we don't want to see another Uncle Ben backstory, right? But they there's so many arcs that where Peter Parker experiences so much tragedy. And there's such sad stories. But then they had him experience that moment with Iron Man, which was really powerful. And nothing is ever going to top that again. So it's going to be really hard to find that emotional aspect of Peter Parker that tops what's already been done, whether you're dealing with the death of Gwen Stacy or you're dealing with, you know, Aunt May getting shot like she does in uh, the Civil War comics, whatever arc you choose to go with, it's going to take a lot to top that emotional moment that he had with Tony Stark in the end of Avengers Endgame.
0: Or even something with MJ. So that, yep uh Mm -hmm. you're right you're never going to find that type of emotional uh, byproduct from what happened i mean a lot of people really clued in and really riveted by what went on with the events of avengers endgame with tony stark's death and and how it affected spider-man you're going to see the ramifications of that this week when spider-man far from home debuts in theaters this week starting july 2nd here in the united states and then all over the world as well so we're looking forward to some big numbers. We're going to report on it for you from here at the Pop Culture Cosmos on social media, but also as well follow us on our PCC Multiverse on Friday. And of course, as well, next week's Pop Culture Cosmos as well. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the future of Netflix. And I'll tell you what, a lot of things have changed from the last time we talked about it with the streaming channels all lining up to go ahead and take shots at Netflix. What is Netflix doing about it, and what is going on with Netflix as far as, from a possible standpoint, that they could be losing a lot of customers coming up in the near future? We're going to be talking about all those variables and more coming up here in a bit. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace Gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code VITABrace50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace gaming wristband, or use the code BUY1GET1, and it's BUY1GET1FREE. that's right, just use the code VITABRACE50 or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some VITABRACE gaming wristbands. So check it out today at miraclefruitoil.com. VITABRACE, win with it. Welcome back to the pop culture cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. Well, Josh. You're still a Netflix fan even after all this time, but I want to ask you right off the get-go, is it harder to become a Netflix fan or stay a Netflix loyal fan at this point in time after the recent rise in prices and all the rumors that you're hearing and all the decisions that are being made as far as not only the onslaught of all these incoming networks like Disney+, Plus, Universal, and so much more coming out, plus all the different types of programming that are on and available on other streaming platforms. But also as well, the big news is that the office will be leaving Netflix as early as 2021.
2: Well, I will be honest with you. I actually canceled my Netflix account, so I'm, I'm going to reopen it once stranger things comes on and then I'll probably cancel it again after that. But yeah, they were charging me $18 a month to keep it open. I just, at that at that cost, i don't I don't watch TV enough, you know to keep that open. I play more games than I do uh, stream things I got Amazon Prime. But to answer your question, no, I don't I mean Netflix is going to have to rely heavily on their own original content, which is going to be difficult for them because only about twenty to forty percent of the shows they make are really worth watching it all, right? It's a lot of I know they they buy up a lot of foreign content. Some of their anime is OK, but the, the the anime that ends up doing well, the companies that make them remove them from Netflix to put them, you know, to sell them on DVD and stuff. So at that point, like they're consuming their own market. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I know specifically referring to The Office is this idea that Netflix had a good thing going for a long time. They paid all this money, bought up all this content, and then all these these stations who were who they bought content from these companies universal warner brothers disney whoever it may be they have not been just coasting in the in the on the sidelines they've been sitting there lurking watching how their content is being consumed and now we have every every major station major broadcaster major um you know company has production company they're now coming out with their own streaming platforms so netflix is going to have to up their game up, uh, you know, the production value of a lot of their stuff if they want to stay, stay afloat, which is going to be hard for a company that reported, it was like $8 billion in loss last year. So I I don't know, man, because now the cable companies, I guarantee you are kind of sitting off in the shadows going, that's right, let them eat each other. And then they'll all come back to us. But yeah, what what, what are your thoughts, man? Because you're, you're a numbers guy. I'm more of a an observation guy. So my opinion is that we're gonna have way too many streaming services and everyone's going if outside of Amazon Prime, because you can tack on the different, you know, stations or platforms that you want to watch. But And then oh,
0: Disney Plus is gonna have every major pop culture icon yeah. that's mm-hmm. gonna be out there as far as between Star Wars, Marvel, Fox, and right. whatever.
2: So there's just there's too much to consume and outside of cable you're not gonna be able to get a lot of these things in the same place anymore but what are your thoughts man as a numbers guy what do you think
0: you know when you've got a a series such as the office which gets purchased back by nbc universal for their streaming service that's coming up for 500 million dollars that's some big big dollars why would you spend that much on the office well if you're not familiar with how successful the office is the Office is the number one stream program on Netflix. 2018 alone, viewers streamed more than 52 million minutes on the show that year. And that's that's according to the USA Today, what the type of information that they're getting. And Friends was not even close to that. The future is not as rosy as it once was for Netflix. And you're right, when they're losing so much money, And they've always been able to go ahead and tell shareholders, well, you know what, we may be losing this much, but we're still a very valuable commodity because we're the leading streaming outlet. That may not be for so long because, again, Universal will have the office. CBS All Access has its stuff. You have Disney Plus having all of its stuff. Apple's going to be involved in the marketplace. There's so many different type of entities trying to pick apart at that Netflix pie That eventually, if Netflix does not have something that they can grasp onto as a foundational piece like they have now with The Office and Friends, I don't know. It doesn't look like it's going to be that great of a future or as great as what it is now or what it has been in the recent past for Netflix.
2: Right, right. And this also brings me to another question for you. Do you think, Because so like, you know, the CW has Seed, I think it's called, and they have the whatever nbc's platform ends up being universal so universal would have you know they have all their movies too so they would have the option of putting all that stuff on their platforms but you know if we have these independent stations sci-fi cw well
0: well, you've seen the issues with dc streaming all this because they canceled the the swamp thing series right and i
2: actually hear that's doing pretty well so i wonder if they're regretting that but and they're actually supposed to be taking that streaming service back to back to the the old whiteboard to see what's going on with it but um you know these these separate entities though say they take their big they have these huge shows friends the office whatever it might be they would have to have a whole other catalog to back up or to justify you know the 7 or 8 dollars 12 dollars whatever price that you're spending on this stuff per month because you know with Netflix it the i guess you could say the price is justified because you have that and you have like stranger things you have your You have other shows too. I know that The Flash and uh, Arrow were on there for a really long time. Like, there's other stuff to watch. So you're kind of, it's okay to spend twelve to eighteen dollars a month, depending on what kind, what package you're you're paying for. But you know, with Universal or something smaller, you'd have to have enough content on there to justify. Because you know, as good as The Office is, you can go to a store. Like, you can go to Book Off down at the mall by me and you could buy each of the seasons for about $4 a piece. So you would have to have enough stuff on your platform to justify people spending the money just to watch one show.
0: Well, I'm, I'm a casual fan of the office. I've seen uh, quite a few episodes, but I have not seen all every episode from all the seasons and whatnot. I don't follow it religiously, but did you think that the office would actually have this kind of appeal years later after it went off the year and still have this kind of mass appeal to the point where it's actually more popular today, I believe, in my opinion, than it was back then?
2: Yeah, that's that's a tough question because the reason that it built up so much momentum when it first came on, though, is because it was quotable, right? People were watching the show. I happen to love the first season. I thought the first season was so good because it's so awkward, and the show didn't know what it wanted to be, and it that actually produced some really great comedic moments. But the second season rolls around, and everyone starts watching it. You know, you watch it word of mouth picked up, you're quoting it and people are still quoting the office even today. You know, now we're having younger generations watch this show and you have all the, the, the kids who who wish that they were born in the nineties saying that they're nineties kids, even though they're born in 1999, they're the ones that pick up these trends and carry them off to the next generation. Right? So they're picking them up, carrying them off to the two thousands kids. The two thousands kids are picking them up, carrying them off to the other kids. and, it is truly a show that where there is enough content for somebody my age or your age to sit there and maybe watch a few episodes a month, right and you can carry on that through the year, watch something else come back to another year later. It's not something that feels old and stale yet though it might it might one day it's just just the way that it was filmed, the way that it was written, and all the characters in the office, how they're still relevant on other movies and stuff it doesn't feel dated yet though it might it you know, chances are it will one day. It's just, it hasn't reached that point yet. And I imagine that's why it's able to feel so fresh every time people watch it.
0: Well, and it goes back to what I was talking about with the ratings, although I wanted to make a clarification in that at its peak, it never actually, as a total wide viewing audience, never actually even reached the top 40. But with viewers 18 to 49, and this is key for why it is doing so well, I think, on the streaming outlets is that it at its peak, It was actually near the top 10 within viewers of 18 to 49. And that's a key demographic rating there for advertisers and things of that nature because 18 to 49-year-olds, we all spend our money a lot more freely than people of older or younger ages. So even overall, it never reached that upper echelon. Within us, eighteen to forty-nine, it was still a very popular show and it's only grown more in popularity. I think a lot of people, like you said, you and I, since we were in that eighteen to forty-nine demo while it was playing until twenty twelve, that it, we just have such fond memories of it, is actually, like you said, aged like a fine wine that has gotten even better in our memories and gotten even better and more been more appealing. It's been, like you said, in a in a meme generation so quotable as far as all the things that went on and it's easy to see why it's just garnered so much momentum to the point where it has become the dominant force in streaming television today
1: you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Greyskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Greyskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films.
0: And if the office is taken away by Netflix, 2021, they better have a plan in place because by the time it leaves in 2021 to go to Universal Television to be on their platform, Disney Plus will be already solidified with all of its stuff. Apple will have more coming out. You know, Amazon Prime is going to have a lot of stuff coming out. CBS All Access. How well will the Star Trek stuff continue to go over and all the other stuff that they're doing? Is that going to continue to build momentum and game success? Plus any other streaming outlet that has stuff as well, Hulu, because Hulu is a beneficiary of this Disney Fox fallout and and the buyout and all that. They get a lot of great stuff sent over to them. So Hulu could see a boost in its ratings as well. So all these different entities that are picking apart Netflix, Netflix has a great lineup of original content stranger things black mirror the stuff that they work on as far as everything else a lot of the stuff that they produced is so well done we've talked about it before from the movies that they've done to the television shows that they produced they're very well done for the most part and they've taken chances they've gone outside the box on a lot of occasions and provided a lot of people with great entertainment but still they're going to have to come up with something even more prolific in order to maintain that that type of success that they have now when the office and the backbone of the stuff that they've counted on for so many viewings is going to be taken away from them here in just a short period of time in a couple of years.
2: Right, so they're, they're going to have to really uh, take a hard crack at keeping a consistent line of, of uh, shows and movies about content basically that people will be interested in because there's a lot of stuff on there. You know, this is why they took away their star rating system, right? You used to be able to go on there, see how uh, other Netflix users are rating shows, and you watch it based on that. They removed that, and now everyone watches everything, but it's just, it's, there's a lot of, Netflix produced a lot of B-grade horse stuff. So, uh, you know, obviously Stranger Things is a phenomenon, uh, atypical people seem to like, well, there's there's a few other, other big But they also have
0: the there. anime market, they have a good portion of that as well.
2: Right, but here's the thing with the anime market. The anime market is so expensive that it's they they can they start these shows. Like for example, there's one one of their first anime properties was called Knights of Sedonia. Really good show and I it got two seasons in and I was into it and then they did not create another season because it costs money and they have to pay one the writer of the manga to write another volume of it and they have to pay the animators to make it and the voice actors and so on and so forth. So there's a huge process there as opposed to just putting somebody in in front of a camera and having them read off of a script so the anime is cool but if they're going to do it they need to follow through with it start start with one season say it's going to end on another and that's another thing like with netflix the beautiful thing about their platform is that they can start shows and they can end shows like for example like they picked up lucifer right they have the option of picking up shows and telling a full story before allowing it to end and that's something that they should really take advantage of because you know i was asking you this how much longer do you think stranger things can run because they interviewed the cast and they're like well we see it running for maybe two more seasons and then we wouldn't want to do it anymore so that makes sense to me
0: yeah ending it out on five makes sense a lot of sense to me as well this you know for like you said the cast would be too old it wouldn't connect It'd be kind of weird as far as what they're trying to do with it after five seasons so i think five would be a good number to end it but then you got to go ahead and count on the Stranger Things creators, if you still got a contract with them to go ahead and produce something else with that uh, within that realm that, that would appeal to that same type of audience because you've gotten big numbers so far for Stranger Things. A lot of people are excited for Stranger Things season three. The reviews are coming in already on Stranger Things season three and and a lot of people are interested now more than ever into it. So you've got to continue to produce Stranger Thing like hits even more so because you've got to set yourself up If you're Netflix, when The Office finally leaves in 2021, you've got to have a lineup that's going to go ahead and keep those viewers watching to what you're delivering on Netflix. I want to ask you one last thing when it comes to the streaming outlets, my friend, and that is this. Put that prognosticator hat on, my friend, just for a second here. Well, you've got a king's hat, so that's the same thing. Anyways, I want to ask you, when it comes to the end of 2022, which streaming outlet do you think is going to be on top of these? Netflix, Disney Plus, Apple, Amazon Prime or NBC Universal.
2: That's a good question. So, you know, anybody with a brain would say Disney Plus, right? I am a firm believer in Amazon Prime because you don't have to pay full price for the streaming Let's, like say you want to tack on HBO or you want to tack on something from nbc onto your amazon prime account you can do that because you with without paying the full price of the streaming platform so you pay an extra four or five dollars you get hbo shows pay an extra four or five dollars you get stars so just because amazon prime is so compatible and accessible i think that we're going to see a rise amazon prime subscriptions
0: well i mean at the rate with amazon prime that's kind of difficult to gauge as far as i I would say off of viewings the number of viewings if that's the case when you're rating, because you know amazon prime is A lot of people don't get it for the streaming service, but they get it for other things.
2: Right, and it comes with with, uh, the Prime service, right? So you get Prime Video for free, so you can't really... A lot of people probably have it already, but there's a lot of skepticism with Disney+. And I know that's the one that everyone's going to be talking about. There's a lot of skepticism from what I've read is that, is it going to be as good as everyone says it is? Are these shows going to be all released at once? Are they going to be on a week-by-week basis? people are going to want to see other people's reactions before fully signing on to something like that. And I'm in that boat. Where, where do you stand on it?
0: I'm the anyone with a brain. I'm going to say Disney plus by the end of 2022, I think it's going to be in a position where it's either is or ready to surpass Netflix as the leader in the streaming service industry. I think that Disney Marvel's, Lucasfilm, they're all going to do their powwows together and try and build this out accordingly, so that they're not going to try and go ahead and make a mistake on it. Because you know, Disney has made them a lot of mistakes here and there on stuff before in the past on entities that they've gone and and markets and and properties and industries that they've delved into before that they really haven't worked out well on, i.e., video games. But I will say this: I think that they're not going to blow this one. I think Disney Plus will be not everything that everybody wants it to be, but it's going to be a lot of the stuff people want it to be. And I think that's going to be enough to push it over the top or at least get it into the point where it's going to be within striking distance. And it's going to look to surpass Netflix by the end of 2022, if not sooner, or if shortly after that as well.
2: Well, it also has the unique position of having already established characters like in the mcu and putting them on the the small screens that's also working in their favor so again maybe i'm wrong but yeah it'll be interesting to see because there's going by the end of this year there's going to be so many streaming platforms that it's going to feel very overwhelming for people who are just you know getting into the whole internet tv thing
0: it's going to be cable and satellite all over again
2: Right, and people are going to go back to cable and satellite just because, why am I going to pay? You know, you pay for three different streaming services, and that's already about the cost of a cable bill. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens and where things go.
0: Which was my cable bill. That actually is a little bit more expensive than that, but we won't go there. It hurts me every time of the month. I see it. But anyways... We want to hear your thoughts out there on the streaming marketplace. The landscape is ever-changing. There's new entities popping up all the time. Major names coming into the industry with some streaming outlets. And all of them are targeting Netflix. And Netflix, with that target on its back, with all the stuff going on, with the office leaving, with so many changes taking place here in the not-too-distant future, the future of Netflix is very cloudy. Do you think Netflix still is going to be, within the next two, three, four years, still be the big entity on campus when it comes to streaming service? Do you still think it's going to be the number one premium outlet for streaming services and as far as the place to go for that everybody's still talking about with programming, with features, with original content, plus also other content as well? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And please share us your thoughts on how well you think Spider-Man Far From Home is going to be doing. And if you watched it coming up this week, what's your thoughts on the movie as well? And how did it end the Infinity Saga for you? Coming up next, we're going to be talking about a new game that just came out called The Sinking City. And... This different type of formatted game, this different look as far as from, uh, with a a reach back as far as an author from the, you know, so long ago, was this a good move? Was this something that's interesting? And is this something that's going to bring in gamers to go ahead and play a different type of formatted video game? We're going to talk about that coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
2: Okay,
1: let's talk about the Flopcast.
2: Where every week we drink a lot of coffee and we talk about comic books. Movies. Conventions. Music. Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, don't forget the coffee. Lots of weird, obscure pop culture stuff from the 70s and 80s. And chickens.
0: Yeah, chickens.
2: This will be the stupidest half hour of your week.
0: We guarantee it.
2: You can find us on the ESO Network. And... Podcast.net.
0: Well, we're back on the show with the pop culture cosmos. It's Gerald right here at you, along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson as well. My friend, we've been talking a lot about what's going on with movies and streaming and all that, but there's still a little bit of stuff going on after the fallout of E3 2019, and that is the recent release of The Sinking City. It's a game based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft, one of the famous authors from the early part of the 20th century. I want to hear your thoughts on this. This is a little bit of a moody game, a little bit of a, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's a horror game per se, maybe reaching into some aspects as far as some, some concepts and ideas, which for some they may find appealing. But for others, they just might find it confusing and they want to go back to their local Fortnite or Apex Legends or any other type of game that they're doing in a
2: contemporary fashion today. Well, I'm not sure. I think that this game takes place in the same universe as the Call of Cthulhu game that came out, I think that was last year, because that was also a Lovecraft game. So I, I look at this game. So let, let's talk about the reviews, right? They're all over the place. GameSpot gave it a three. It's got a Metacritic score of 63%. IGN gave it a, just under an eight. PC Gamer 66%. But if you go on and look at the Google user reviews, it's got a 91%. So, I mean, that actually says a lot because those are the, you know, the the everyday gamers that are that are playing it. So maybe, you know, this, this, this gets... Well, let's talk about the game for a second, right? It has a Bioshock-esque type, type of thing, but a lot of the things I'm reading about it is they nailed the the setting in the atmosphere, but the gameplay kind of gets stale. Like they they it's one of those games where they you know they do really well with the setup and then it doesn't really you're just doing the same things over and over and over again like a time like like Time Shifter, Black Sight Area 51. That was something that the Xbox 360 generation really suffered from. You had all these people putting out these games that were really cool concepts, but they were just the same things over and over again it was very repetitive there wasn't really a story to justify the repetitiveness of it and i think that's what this game is suffering from though you know again 91 percent on google is actually pretty high okay let me ask you this looking at this game is it something that you would be interested in playing for me actually
0: yes because i like out of the box narratives i mean the game itself like you said it's based off of the works of hp lovecraft Uh, you know, deals with these districts that are just affected by all this flooding. You know, you're supposed to go through these areas in a boat, but if you swim, it's too perilous for you. and you And one of the things I like about it is it deals with not only as far as just, okay, your resources are limited and stuff we've seen before in Resident Evil games and all that. It also deals with sanity and the fact that certain things in the environment certain monsters that you come across certain things that you deal with within the game could be damaging to not only your health but your sanity which is a focal point of the game as well as far as to keep your sanity intact per se and that, that to me is is kind of interesting uh i mean you can use drugs to treat the if you have your sanity is low but you also have to it makes you see things in a different fashion like what was described in the in the books in the narratives of H.P. Lovecraft himself so i kind of like this type of game because it is a different type of game that i normally would play so for me i like i like going on these different types of adventures every now and then just to mix it up just to mix it up just to try something different and the approach of the game is different might not always be successful like you said it gets repetitive and repetitive might not be very good for anyone out there including me to to get you know if we want to get through it because if it's too repetitive i won't get through it i won't be bothered with it i won't have enough time to have the patience to do that and in the world today where a lot of gamers don't have that kind of attention span or don't have that kind of patience that could be an issue for the the long-term success of a game like the sinking city
2: yeah exactly and you know that that's a cool mechanic like what you're mentioning earlier was the uh you know the sanity thing the, a lot of this game is uh, detective work right so you're going around trying to figure out what's going on but at the same time you're trying to you have to discover for yourself whose perspective is the right perspective and are these people shaping your perspective so there's no right or wrong way to play this game and how you get to it depends on how or how you get to the ending depends on how you you play through the game but what's really cool about this at least in my opinion is the fact that you know this was made by Frogwares right and published by Big Ben Interactive and these are companies that you know they 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 have a couple other games but they're standing out and they're getting reviewed in the midst of all these franchise based games right from all these these big dogs so we haven't seen anybody break through that veil in a very very long time so to me i think it'd be worth playing i don't know if i'd pay 60 bucks for it but you know if it dropped down to like 40 45 maybe i could probably pick it up because it looks like i could probably spend a good 8 to 12 hours playing this game and i would gladly do that because like you said it looks interesting and it that's what made bioshock so cool right is the the setting like you're going into this whole new world and that's what this looks like
0: but with the plasmids and the type of things that you could do within the environment it was always interesting to see what's coming up around the corner, including Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite. Those were very good games as well. So that whole environment c- and captured me and c- kept me entranced as far as going from narrative to different narrative to different narrative. Hopefully something like The Sinking City would do the same, but I'm comparing it to The Evil Within and The Evil Within is probably a closer comparison to what it is. And that was kind of spotty at best as far as the overall theme of the game and how it actually transported the character through the actual campaign itself, as far as uh, kind of spotty good and kind of spotty bad. But it's, it's, you know, it's not one of the more successful games in the Bethesda series for a reason, because that game doesn't emote that type of interest to a, to a wide audience. It caters to a certain niche of audience and, Unfortunately, the execution on the game is very again back we go back to spotty it's not not fully well executed from beginning to end i think that's maybe what you might be seeing with the sinking city and maybe the reason why you said you would only play through it if it was at a lower price
2: yeah because you know i'm (laughs) i'm kind of frugal i guess i'm i'm that gamer right i like that game on a budget usually unless it's something that i'm dying to play but I, I admire them for crafting a single-player experience in a world of Fortnites and Apex Legends and stuff. In a, in a time when the single-player narrative game is being smothered by all these other types of games, I admire them for trying to do their thing. You know, you talked about Evil Within. Correct me if I'm wrong here, okay? Uh, in my opinion, I think that, you know, this is a podcast, we don't have opinions, we just we talk about facts, right, all the time. So, that, that was a joke. But I, I think that... For me, when it comes to diving into a new franchise, it's all about control and accessibility. Are the controls easy to get a hang of? Is it accessible? Are they responsive? You know, that's what got me into stuff like Halo, right? Because all you have, you have your jump, your trigger, your 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 club button, uh, Gears of War, you know, your chainsaw button, your roll around button. Are the controls easy to use? Do they respond? And are the, mecha- the game mechanics simple enough for me to go around and be able to spend hours in this world without getting frustrated?
0: Well, I hope we can share opinions. I mean, that's what I've been thinking I've been trying to do for the past 140 some odd episodes of the Pop
2: Culture Cosmos. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we, we, we just talk about things and uh, occasionally we say true things. So that's that's good.
0: Occasionally we do. We do. What do you know? What do you know? I don't know. I just think it's something that probably will not find its total marketplace now. But if it's well thought of and the word of mouth stays clear that it could be something maybe people will want to go back to five, ten years from now. As far as a game from this era that was different and that hopefully will make it stand out at some point in time to an audience. Maybe it it will appeal to a niche. And not much more i don't see the uh, long-term success for this game i don't see a sequel for this game i just see it reaching its audience and that's it the sinking city it's out it's available it's on virtually every major platform that's out there so give it a chance if you're really interested in an out-of-the-box game if it's something that well like i said i said the evil within if you're interested in that type of format maybe a little bit of bioshock in there as well but if you're interested in something different outside of the box from what you're usually playing when it comes to first-person shooters, RPGs, and the whole nine yards, take a look at this. See if it's something that might interest you. And if it is, and you play it, and you have thoughts on it, share it with us. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com or through social media. PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up next, we're going to close out the show with Josh's thoughts on an anime series he thinks you should see. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
0: And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want a listing of all of our great shows and where they're being played at and all that good stuff, Check out our listing today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. You'll see a listing of all of our great radio stations that we're on because we're being played seven days a week. I want to send our love out there to the folks at Sword Radio in the UK. Martin Shaw out there running things for Sword Radio. We want to thank him so much. He's been a loyal fan of ours. They've done a great job at Sword Radio playing our episodes back to back each week. We just cannot thank them enough and thank the listeners of Sword Radio in the UK for doing so. Want to give them a shout out, but if you need listings of there, where they're at, or any of the other great radio stations or podcast outlets, including our great friends at Bullhorn, including Sam Petrella, that's an awesome app. I use that throughout my Hawaii vacation on the plane, wherever I for downloads for regular podcasts, catching it on the fly, whether I want to listen to it on the phone or whether I wanted to listen to it regularly right off the data. It's a great app. It's Bullhorn app. If you want to check that out today. But any other app as well is going to tell you an entire listing of many of our other options as well on our Facebook Pop Culture Cosmos page, where you can find the latest news and info on pop culture. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanic Media. What's going on with your great experience known as
2: Humanic Media? Actually, last week I just put up the last episode Top God clips that we recorded, and then we're gonna be taking a break for a bit, and then we'll be back with a more like seasonal structure. So we'll we'll keep everyone posted on what's going on with that.
0: And you still have all those videos up from E3 and the interview and all that from At
2: Games and all the stuff you did right there. Yes, very true. So you can check that out on the Humanic Media YouTube channel and also on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. It's all there. You can stream it. Click on the videos. Check it out as well as a few Pop Culture Cosmos episodes, or all of them, if you have the time.
0: Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. We do appreciate any feedback that you give on us that help us out. Five-star ratings if you follow us, because we've got over a 1,000 followers alone on Podbean. So we're just truly appreciated. All the thousands of listeners that we have all around the world that listen to us on radio, both over the air and online, we just truly can't thank you enough for doing so. My friend, before we head on out, we've got to talk about an anime series that you want everybody to know about. Went under the radar for me. In fact, I wasn't very much aware of it. I've heard of it. I haven't seen too much of it. So I had to check it out once you told me about it. So tell me a little bit more about why you think people should go out of their way to go check out Trigun.
2: Well, since you ask, So I've been been going on a 90s kick with with anime lately because that's... You know, I sit down at the end of the night. It's kind of how I shut my brain off a little bit. I'll watch a couple episodes of something I used to enjoy. You know, I go back to this and I look at, you know, I look at something like Akira. You know, we both have agreed on the fact that Akira is amazing, right? You know, I look at that and I look at something like Trigun, right? Trigun was really good. Trigun, people talked about for a long time, you know, but it, it, it never achieved the fame of something like Akira, yet Trigun is a lot more coherent as an anime than Akira was. So I just I'm um, I'm wondering if maybe the show is behind the time because I, I look at it this way. If it were released today, Trigon, I'm picking up on things watching it now that I didn't pick up on as a kid. Right. So I'm I'm sitting here thinking like Vasha Stampede. What is he? Uh, it You know, according to their lore, he is some kind of angelic interplanetary being. Right. Kind of like an angel. And the angels are the ones that that power the civilizations of man that that somehow landed on this planet called gunsmoke but and you know that's a very deep like biblical concept you know that's stuff that you you learn in fringe theology courses in college you learn about you know lore like that but you know i look at that and i'm like that's really cool but at the same time if you put that out today the attention spans of people are so short and small that all of this would go over their head all they would see would be the 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 gunshots like they wouldn't care about the story and how deep it all goes okay why do you think Trigun never reached the upper escalon of anime like cowboy bebop outlaw star akira stuff like that and two if akira if Trigun were released today do you think that it would find a fan base
0: very good questions i'm going to tell you first off why it went under the radar for me and for a lot of other people who enjoy anime and that is the fact that it just didn't have those characters that really seem to stand out i think that's first and foremost i i don't want to say they're unremarkable i just don't think that they had those memorable type of scenes storylines or characters that just made it click now would something like trigon work in today's environment that's tough to say because you relate it to like a space opera, space Western. There's a space opera, space Western that's popular in theory, that has a cult following, that is actually been given a chance to succeed on more than one occasion, been given a chance to succeed on a theatrical level and really hasn't done it, but still has that beloved cult-like status. And I'm talking about Firefly. And to me, I equate Trigon a little bit to Firefly. I'd love to see a Trigun-type live-action movie be made because I personally have an affection for these type of space westerns. But, again, the movie and and the TV show and, and the whole thing from Firefly has never really clicked with a large audience. So I don't think it's going to be able to do the same. And it may be for the very reasons you explained previously.
2: It's If you haven't watched it, I would definitely recommend that you do go watch it. You know, you can find it on all kinds of streaming services or you can go, you you can find the DVDs online for like five bucks a piece, but it's definitely something worth watching. Well, if people want to give Trigon a chance,
0: see what it's all about. I believe it's on Crunchyroll, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, it's on Crunchyroll. I thought that it's on Funimation, the streaming site, I could be wrong.
0: Crunchyroll was listed for me and I, I was able to catch it a little bit on YouTube here and there as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, so you can find it on there. But there's also iTunes or whatever, your Xbox, whatever you're using, you can probably find it on there too. But it's definitely worth checking out. I would recommend everybody watch it.
0: Well, if you have seen Trigun and you want to share your thoughts on the anime series itself, or if you do check it out and you really get into or not get into it, share us your thoughts indeed. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well well my friend we made it through an episode again getting back into it old times well it's only been a couple weeks but it seems like old times we're back into it once again we've got another great show coming up this friday on the pcc multiverse we're going to wrap up what went on in the early part of nba free agency and the winners and losers from that plus also the early returns from spider-man far from home and a whole bunch more
2: always with us when it
0: comes to the pop culture cosmos
2: any last thoughts my friend there's a lot of pop culture video game movie stuff and even novels wink wink is coming around the corner here
0: plus he'll be giving us more information next week on our show on a release date for his upcoming book congratulations you suck i don't know if he was talking about that about me when he was writing it but you know what a oh, autobiography wow. of gerald glassford there you go there you go so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast.
1: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
2: Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com.